0: This is AdTech God, and I hereby decree that Flash Talking shall be granted divine status with tools for creative personalization that are truly godlike. You could be more than omnichannel. You could be omniscient like me. Plus, with an independent ad server that covers open web, mobile, and CTV, you don't have to rely on that other big G. So stop praying for a way to get unbiased delivery for your campaigns and visit flashtalking.com slash pod. Tell them Ad Tech God sent you and you'll get all the PDFs you can read. That's flashtalking.com slash pod. And that's the word of God. Welcome to the Ad Tech God Pod, your window into the world of advertising technology and the people behind it. I'm your host, Ad Tech God. Welcome, ad tech enthusiasts, to another episode of the Ad Tech God Pod. I am your host, Ad Tech God. This podcast focuses on the people behind the technology, their past, present, and their future. As we continue to evolve in our careers and in our tech, so will this podcast, its guests, and its messages. If you have not listened to prior episodes, please do. The Ad Tech God Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Today, we speak with a strong, confident woman in the space. She previously worked at industry-leading companies like AdRoll, TripleLift, and IponWeb. She's currently the Director of Partnerships and Programmatic at Anzu, which is an in-game advertising platform that introduces native, creative, and dynamically updated ads to video games and esports, a rapidly growing sector which explains their recent Series B $48 million round. So without further delay, let's welcome this week's guest, Aditi Ramesh. Welcome to the AdTech GodPod.
1: Thank you so much for having me on AdTech God. I am elated to be here. It's been quite some time that I've been following you and I can't wait to talk about all things industry and ad tech today.
0: Same here. I'm I'm so happy you're here. I've also been following you for quite some time and, and I love I love your candles. I love what you're doing there as your extracurricular. It's a little side hustle. I love it. I think you make amazing stuff, by the way.
1: Thank you so much. You know, we definitely started talking about a lot of entrepreneurship, what it means to have a side hustle while having a full-time ad tech gig, right? And so a lot of that has to do with identity, who you are. And so I found it really curious when you started Ad Tech God, like this anonymized profile while I was building a sort of brand and trying to trademark my own name. And so it felt like, two of the same type of ventures. And it was really exciting. And it still is really exciting to see where this is going. And, and I'm super excited to be on the pod.
0: It's kind of fun, isn't
1: it? Absolutely.
0: Like, it, it's, it's something I've never experienced. I, I don't have a startup. I never started a startup. I've always been the corporate employee or the employee. But you know, starting from your business license to launching a website to figuring out how to market and expand your audience, it's fun. It's like a work in progress constantly. So Aditi, let me ask you: You you obviously work at a great company in, in a in a rapidly growing space, but how did you initially get into ad tech? We, we'd love to hear your journey.
1: Absolutely, you know my journey into ad tech became of sorts after I started working as an office manager. Believe it or not, so I was an office manager for quite some time at a fintech company, TransferWise or WISE, as you would call it now, and helping build the people team, building out community development and growth. And when you're at an early stage like that, we were only five people in the New York office at the time. You're not just an office manager. You're also doing marketing stuff. You're looking at NPS scores. And so I I quickly realized that a lot of the work that those marketing and growth teams were doing was quite of interest to me. And so from there, I was thinking, okay, how do I get myself into more of this ad operations or what is marketing? What are these terms like CPM or CPC, et cetera, et cetera? What are cookies, right? And then I started looking into different roles. And for me, a big kind of item that I had to get over was. Who's going to hire an office manager into an ad tech job? And I was wondering, like, how do I kind of like come over this, uh, you know, mentality that I had that no one's going to hire an office manager? And then I did some research, right? Basic research. I looked up all the different companies and realized it's not really that hard. (laughs) And so I went and interviewed for a job over at AdRoll. They graciously hired me. And from then onwards, I was very much hooked, like, okay now I understand what CPMs are. I was doing ad ops. Then we moved into customer success management and onboarding these customers, understanding what is ROI, what are best practices for putting together robust campaign strategies. And so that's really the essence of how I got into it, where initially, you know, I was just exposed to marketing teams a lot and envious of work they were doing there. And I wanted a little bit in on the action. So I pivoted into an ad operations role where I really thought that, you know, if I understand the nuts and bolts of how this stuff worked, then I can kind of go to that next step of understanding what I want to do.
0: That's pretty cool that you went from office manager to, to ad tech or ad ops. I have a lot of friends in the space and some of them started, you know, from some sort of SaaS sales or Automotive space, also, you know, people kind of going from automotive classified type of listing sales into ad tech as as those companies evolve. So it's pretty cool you you took the leap and AdRoll, you know, took you in and, and trained you on on the basics because it's obvious to me from when I've seen you speak and obviously seen you post on on social media that that you know your stuff really well. So that foundational training is actually really good.
1: And I'll say this right: there are people. Who at every step of the way have trained me immensely. So, like Emma Gilroy, who reached and hired me and trained me into an ad ops coordinator at AdRoll in 2017, moving into you know the demand side at Triplelift, learning from people like Jen Lee, right, or Bo Wang during my time doing yields at Triplelift. And Seth Lazar, who helped me understand what publishers are over at iPod Web. So throughout that, I think it was really important to like, for me at least, to find these mentors who are willing to spend time with me, to teach me, to encourage me, to understand and explain very nicely to me like what it is are the answers to the questions that I was asking. And so definitely mentorship along the way is really the reason why, you know, I've been able to make the pivots from different roles, from office management to ad ops to partner management, yield, publisher accounts, and then so on and so forth. So for me, I, I think mentorship is really important.
0: I agree. I, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things. When I spoke to Lauren Wetzel, she said, create your own board of directors. I'm sure you kind of have one now. I, I have one. I've, I've actually formalized it. I've messaged them all and said, you're officially on my board. And they usually just respond with LOL. Okay, dude. But the, the reality is, is that it, it's really important to have those people that take you under their wing, or at least you can just have candid, open conversations about your knowledge or your knowledge gap. That way they can guide you in the right direction. So I love that you have, you named four. I caught three of them. Emma, Jen, Seth, and
1: Bo. Wing. And Bo. You know, there's there's even more currently over at Anzu. I'm mentored by our CEO, Itamar Benetti. Then you also have Mark, as well as Narissa, who are demand sales leadership and partnerships leadership. So it's just amazing how much, these, you know, your direct mentors and people who manage you have an impact on not only your immediate work or like your workload, but also your mental health and your your understanding of who you are at work, right? So, you know, all of these people have definitely, I've been really fortunate to find these mentors and sort of strike deals with them to say like, hey, like, I'll do anything you ask me to do, but I also want to learn X, Y, Z. How do I do that? And I think that's the the fun and joy of working in this ecosystem because there's always like a mountain of stuff that we can do, isn't there? You sort of just need to focus on like that area for you to make that business grow. And if you can help that mentor while you're learning from them and make that deal, it just makes it all the more effective and exciting for everyone.
0: Right. And I think that's why it's so important to recognize that. And, and the fact that you're recognizing these people on the podcast also shows that they've, they've really left a value and a mark in your life. If, if you can go five years back and, and start naming names, I have someone, his name is Brian. I'm not going to say his last name because they'll know. He was really the first mentor I ever had. He was a senior vice president. I was, was like a, just a, like a junior sales rep. had no idea what I was doing. New in the industry. And we used to go to Chili's and he used to take me to Chili's and he'd sit at the bar for lunch. This is a big company too. And he'd have a beer and he would basically guide me through what I did wrong in a nice polite way and just kept training me and investing his time and effort into my career to where eventually I grew and became a director at that company and I led the team, maybe 12 or 13 sales guys. And so having that person that works by your side is super important in your career. And so, Brian, you don't know who I am, but thank you. Jumping into the highlights, like what do you feel in, in your career, whether at Roll or Anzu, is really the biggest highlight of your career, something you're really proud that you've done?
1: For me, I used to wake up every single day. I still wake up quite early, I have to be honest, at, at 5 a.m. and get to the office, be the first person there, and also the last person to leave. And I thought that was totally normal. Right. I thought that was like the way that things are supposed to be. You're supposed to work really, really hard and you're supposed to get the ROI from it. And I think a lot of that was I was prioritizing this over sleep, over hanging out with friends, pursuing my side hustles or like ideas, things like that. And and I think it creates a sense of unhappiness or like lack of balance in life. But as soon as I discovered that you can have whatever you want and have a balanced lifestyle or try to, right? And be very happy and create that balance. I think that's when I really felt like I, I had that moment of accomplishment. And it's not a single item, but it felt like a massive milestone for me to just feel like I had control over who I was. And I think that was when I got to trademark my name. And it comes at a period of time where I was actually furloughed during the pandemic, like many people were impacted by their job. And it gave me at least a period of time that I could focus on something that is independent of the identity that I had built myself, which was very much partnerships manager within advertising, talking to demand partners all day, every day. What happens when you take that away and allow for deep work, right? And I started making candles and I started like developing this understanding for what happens on the advertiser side for this business. And I think now when I think about our business and our industry, I really think about it collectively as, okay, the advertiser, what does it feel like to be in the advertiser's shoes? And then what does it feel like to execute on a DSP? And then also thinking about niche platforms or uh, niche inventory sources like Onzo or gaming, right? And so, I guess what I'm trying to say is for me, it was really a pivotal moment for me to understand that I can be the director of partnerships and programmatic at a really great, exciting in game advertising company that's breaking boundaries like Anzu, while also being able to work on a side hustle with candles and being able to take what it is that I've learned and taught other advertisers to do for so long, which is put ads on the space, get people to click on it and get ROI for myself. Right. And so that is really, really exciting to be able to do that so that I can now like see the ecosystem. And for me, really, like I felt really excited when I got into this current role because it felt like, okay, cool. I understand ad operations. I've worked on the supply side, the demand side. I understand RTB. So what I really want to do is like, what does it mean to like Take format that hasn't emerged yet and and get it to emerge right like gaming uh, and stand it up like CTV and so with all of this I think I just get really excited that by starting a side hustle it's really amplified my interest in ad tech even more and so I'm not sure if that answered the question quite it does
0: no that, I think I think yeah. it's great I think it goes in line with with a lot of what what I've you know posted about is that. You work what you, what you work, right? You, you have your job, you're either working with publishers, you're working with the tech, you're working in sales, whether that's working with brands and enterprise clients or agencies, or whether that's working, you know, selling your SaaS solution to whoever. But the reality is that we often don't get a lot of exposure on the other side of the business. Like it's very rare that you find someone who's selling services or some sort of solution to a publisher actually having a conversation with a brand. To understand what that brand is looking for. So understanding that full funnel from the buy side to the sell side and all those inner workings of tech and solutions are really important. And I'm sure you had a learning curve because I've, I've had that with this. You know, I'm used to telling everybody branding is the best, advertising is the best, creating a name and exposure is the best. How do you convert? And then I do stuff and it just falls flat and I do other stuff that's just great. But this is a world that I've never worked in. I've never worked in branding or marketing And learning how to market and brand this account has been eye-opening. How much work it takes, how much effort it takes, how much time it takes. So I love the fact that now you're learning as an advertiser what it means to truly see ROI on your campaign or your marketing efforts.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it helps me empathize with our end customers in ad tech, right? As a partner manager of demand sources, you sort of see a lot of questions around basic things like deal IDs and troubleshooting and errors, but oftentimes you you might not see that like bottom of the funnel or like, you know, that end result of the click ROI or something in in their GAM instance or or Google Analytics. And so I think that it just helps have those more fruitful discussions with clients and put something... A little bit tangible in our heads, so I definitely, definitely think in our industry we should be having a lot more shadowing days, where like the supply side sits on the demand side. I know you've tweeted about this too, where like, what if you swapped roles with someone for a day on the other side of the business, you just see and be able to, I guess, you know, walk a mile in their shoes and feel like what it feels like.
0: Yeah, I feel like I feel like everybody should try to build a media plan at some point in their life. I feel that everybody should try to be a brand and see what it feels like to have, you know, $100 and see if you can generate 110 And maybe as an experiment, I don't know if you remember in grade school, but my grade school did this, where they made us fake buy stocks and you had to learn how to buy and sell stocks based off of, this shows how old I am.
1: Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Investopedia.
0: Yeah. So I would have to go, I'd open up the newspaper, I'd pick five stocks, I'd read about the stocks and then I would basically buy stocks on paper and then decide on when I wanted to sell those shares. And I feel like we don't do that in our industry. I feel like everybody lives in their silo. Yes, they interact with other people in the industry to some degree, but there's no real deep learning across the board unless you jump jobs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've definitely learned a lot by being a lot of my roles. I would have been the first person in that specific function at these companies. And so it sort of like lays out this uh, vast open arena where you can throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks and you have to learn on the fly. And again, that mentorship stuff comes into play. You really need to like hang on to them and, you know, treat them really well because they're Offloading their experience to you, so it all comes into play here. And we need to, if we want to bridge the gap, then you know, learning from new people that join your organization, or if you're new, learning from folks who have been there for a while, that's the key to making this thing work all around.
0: This is Ari Paparo from Architecture. I'm happy to introduce you to OKO Digital, the sponsor of this podcast. OKO is the leading Google-certified publishing partner for CTV. Are you stuck with an ad stack that isn't driving incremental revenue? OKO can dramatically improve your CTV and out-of-home revenue with its direct demand and -and plug-and-play setup. OKO works with fast channels, Roku, set-top boxes, digital out-of-home, Amazon Fire TV, and streaming applications, and is compatible with all ad servers. Visit OKO.net to learn more. That's OKO.net. Well, hopefully, somebody listening at some company out there decides that they're going to take someone that's in, you know, campaign management or had trafficking and put them out with the sales team and take someone in the sales side of the business and put them behind a desk and teach them how to optimize a campaign. I think it does create a lot of understanding across the board. I think, you know, sales are, are pressuring ops to deliver on a campaign, but may not know the intricate details of what that entails. I think it'll help. And and I hope people do listen and hear this and end up doing it.
1: Hands on keyboard experience is something that's tangible, and anything that's tangible is becomes inherently like personal. So, like I would go one step further, a salesperson to hang out with a publisher account manager for a day. Yeah. so <laughs> definitely, uh-huh. I'm I'm super excited to hear that, and I hope people do that.
0: And obviously, Anzu is doing great in the gaming space. 48 million is a lot. That's more than I've made from this podcast. Just putting it out there that that's a lot of money. Just joking. I've not made 48 million. Question for you is what direction and what trends are you seeing in gaming particular or in the industry altogether as we kind of wrap up this year? I think you are my last podcast of 2023. So thank you. But what direction do you see things heading in?
1: Gaming is at its early stages right now. Over the last two years, at least at Anzu and several other gaming SSPs or or companies, we've all been working to understand first, like, how do we make this stuff accessible programmatically that hasn't been happening yet, right? So I think that we will see and we have seen a lot of industry players like the Trade Desk, StackAdapt, others who have really leaned in to the point where they're saying, hey, we're going to have like an in-game workflow. We're going to pass intrinsic in-game as a signal through OpenRTB so that people can actually see if this is a game or not. And so like we saw with CTV, we're going to be able to see a lot of growth where this becomes a standardized channel within the workflows of these DSPs. This means that it will be able to be purchased similarly to your display and video buys, right? Compared to a lot of the gaming activations that happen are done on a direct IO basis or managed directly by a game developer themselves. Sometimes you have like custom that takes quite some time, right? And then more than that, what's most exciting is the prospect of console being accessible programmatically. So being able to access PlayStation titles that is going to be huge coming into 2024 and beyond. And so I don't think that I think that gaming, a lot of the emerging formats, a lot of the emerging channels like audio, these are all going to start popping off and advertisers are already leaning in and we're going to see even more in the coming like months and quarters to come. So like, you know, I've seen so many more RFPs and inquiries from agencies, advertisers, hold codes, DSPs all over the board asking about what is accessible, how do you access it? What is the activation guide? Can I use IAS, Moat, D V, what have you, right? And so the interest is there. So it's really exciting. You know, at at Anzu, we feel like the cool kids on the block sometimes because people get really excited thinking about the prospect of it's just the same as a direct out of, you know, D O O H out of home, inside a gaming environment.
0: For and I don't work in gaming, so there's all the gaming stuff direct IO right now. There's no real standard programmatic buying of in-game ads.
1: There is. You can access ansu inventory through numerous DSPs. So this is all being done today, and and you can definitely purchase uh, in-game inventory directly through the trade desk, and that works through a deal ID or PMP. So. It's all very accessible, streamlined, and ready to go, you know? So education is a must for us to then scale it and onboard more publishers and really make it a scalable channel.
0: Awesome. Awesome. If you can't tell, I never worked in gaming, so that's not my world. So thank you for answering that. So it is available through major DSPs.
1: Absolutely. And hey... I never worked in gaming either before I worked at Anzu, right? I'm full on full like programmatic savvy. And so you really think about it. Inventory is inventory. There's nuances and unique items that you have to take into consideration for each different type of buy, of course, but the logistics of a lot of this stuff uh, remains the same. And so for anyone interested in getting into a gaming looking for a career in like a specific emerging channel or format like it seems to be that you know pick your niche and whether that's being extremely programmatic focused or maybe you are specifically looking into gaming the world is your oyster i think and and you can utilize it to your advantage like i did uh,
0: any brands out there advertisers send your money to anzu send it to the DVD. <laughs>
1: Send them some business,
0: check it out, try it out, see the performance. It sounds like a great solution in market. And then Aditi, you're, you're obviously come from a programmatic background. You understand the space really well. You and I have a lot of mutual friends. We call them mutual, mutual friends online. My question for you is, you know, outside maybe traditional channels of learning, like where do you keep yourself up to date in the gaming world or just digital advertising in general? How do you keep yourself in the know?
1: A couple things. First thing that comes to mind is I realized yesterday that I don't use Google as much as I just go to chat GPT or open AI, which is wild, right? Like that just seems kind of wild that this is happening as a, a momentum of where we seek knowledge from. But mainly I do look for advice and interest from people on Twitter. I know we were talking about this before, before we, we hopped on. I very much got excited when we had the you had a pinned post of all the different ad tech abbreviations. I'm finding that both LinkedIn as well as Twitter increasingly over the last couple of months has started to hype back up into where it was before, where a lot of people are asking really interesting questions around bid enrichment, downstream effects of you know floor pricing, really intricate stuff. And people are answering with like full depth and detail. So If you want to get like information fast, go tweet the question and you will get the answer is my advice. Other than that, of course, like the usual ad tech publications across the board, I definitely prescribe to them.
0: It's funny because I had someone the other day say, is this a trick question? Like this is really vague. And I responded with, that's what creates engagement. And they put, I don't know what the emoji is, the one with their hand on their chin. I think that's the point. And I think that's the point of what I'm trying to do too is sometimes I ask questions that I know either might be controversial or split, you know, either evenly down the middle or honestly, I asked a question this morning. I won't say which one, which I knew would be like 98% one way and 2% the other. But it's something we're all aware of, yet none of us are really addressing on a regular basis. And so I love that too. I think asking the right questions in the right format on X or Twitter, LinkedIn, Really creates that conversation. And I feel that everybody has become significantly more vocal about their opinions over the last two years. And on top of it, I think people are pushing the boundaries of what they ask and how they ask it. And I think it's super important as an industry to do that so that we all share our opinions, whether right or wrong, and we can have an open forum conversation.
1: There's no stupid questions, they're just questions that you need answers to. And there's always someone who's there to answer it. You just have to ask. So that curiosity is really what I get excited about when I go on some of these platforms or when we're looking at different Twitter threads and the people are asking super intelligent questions. These are really high IQ questions that sometimes I don't necessarily even hear being asked inside closed doors within conversations within teams, right? And that's super exciting compared to before where and there's a lot of these learning platforms that are popping up, a lot of individuals who are creating a lot of space to teach basic stuff across the industry to various teams. Like you of digital is one of them. I'm a big fan of them.
0: Same. I think I think Shiv's doing amazing stuff. Miles is super smart. Agreed. I, I think the two of them have done a really great job when it comes to educating the market and just putting Information out there, and, and you know you mentioned a lot about having your own kind of coworker mentors during the initial part of this podcast. and you know being able to name someone off like you know Emma and Jen and Seth and Bo and, and these these people that have impacted your life so positively in the space, you know it takes you to you know how do you reach out to someone outside of your network? How do you talk to someone that you don't interact with regularly and and I saw a post today from Jeremy Bloom at Oh hello about the struggles of launching his platform, it resonates with me because I understand and I see the value in what he's trying to build, but I also understand how challenging it is. But it's going to be so useful to be able to say, hey, I really want to talk to, you know, Bob or Sue or or Jen at whatever company, because I really want to get their guidance. And so internal mentorship in terms of your, your colleagues and your peers is really important. But being able to reach out to someone outside of your normal network is also so powerful because I know I personally value that, and that's what this account has really brought for me. And I hope that that is something that people see value in.
1: Absolutely, same, agreed.
0: And as we wrap up, because it's done, you believe it?
1: I can't believe it. It It's really uh, fast. I know (laughs) it is really fast.
0: (laughs) I really appreciate you being here, and I really appreciate the support. I hope that TT Candles takes off I will thank post you. the link when I post this just support your side hustle because I do think the stuff that you build is amazing thank and you. thank you for sharing some insights on Anzu I do not know much about in-game advertising so for me I've learned a little something but I really appreciate you being here
1: absolutely thank you so much for having me
0: thank you and I will speak to you soon
1: speak to you soon
0: bye-bye thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Tech Godpot a podcast for the people about the people that make ad tech great. Stay connected with me for more insights, trends, and interviews in the realm of ad tech. Don't miss out on our latest updates. So follow me on X, Instagram, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Don't forget, ATG Slack community has insights, networking opportunities, and jobs. Keep the conversation going and stay at the forefront of ad tech innovation.